My wife called the cops on me two days ago. I was in the middle of a meeting on my laptop with a financial advisor client of mine in Spokane, Washington. I use whereby.com instead of Zoom. Everyone's using Zoom and Zoom is great. However, whereby has the advantage of not requiring a download so you can be talking to someone on the phone and essentially just ask them to step into your meeting room. You get a customized URL. Mine is whereby.com forward slash Digimark, Digimark, like digital marketing. Now I encourage you to use Zoom meetings and video meetings and Skype meetings and WhatsApp meetings, video that is, as much as possible. This is something that was a revelation to myself for the most part. I come from a sales background more or less and spent years you know on inside sales teams as well as field sales teams and i've always preferred inside sales because you can get so much more done just sitting in one place as opposed to driving around and dealing with traffics and accidents not to mention parking meters finding the place finding the floor finding the office and then essentially just chit-chatting over coffee and it's like you know when you're working an enterprise deal i used to work for and sell to fortune 500 companies well the big deals take months if not years sometimes essentially it's something like this every um hundred thousand dollars of revenue in a deal will take about a couple of months something like this and so if you've got a million dollar deal that's potentially going to take you 20 months, right? Something like that. I don't know. The math's a bit off because I haven't worked in that space for many years. But the thinking is the same. If I'm sitting at home or in my office banging out phone calls, I might make 40 or 60 calls a day. And that's, you know, a, a, good, a good number to shoot for. You should be making at least 20 calls a day if you're doing any kind of outreach, right? So... On the other hand, if you're just doing emails, then I'd suggest at least 100 to two or 300 emails a day. What you're looking for essentially is two to five quote-unquote conversations slash interactions every day. And that's really the meat and bones of sales. So if you enjoy interacting with people, that's great. If you don't enjoy interacting with people, you should learn to enjoy that, right? So that would be the spiritual side of sales. If you're on a phone and you don't like people and you don't like talking to them, then that's just like the worst form of torture, really, more or less. In any case, whereby.com and video meetings. And so it's exploded my business. My friend Steve Scott, who's essentially on his way to becoming the automotive lead king of Canada uh, up here in Alberta. I live in Calgary. He lives in Edmonton, which is the capital of the province. Steve got me onto video meetings. And, uh, you know, that's really how we met. I was coming back from a jog. My buddy Brian in Orange County, who does some Google stuff with me in the real estate market, in the real estate industry. Anyway, he found Brian. Uh, Brian found Steve uh, to help me with uh, a new project for a solar company. It's not really solar. It is um, solar ray panels, infrared heating panels they're really really amazing and as i'm working this opportunity you know i'd love to get a few panels for myself unlike convection heating where 
you know, your traditional heater heats up the air molecules around the room or something and they start spreading out. Infrared thermal heaters actually shoot out infrared thermal rays or something and they literally just warm up the whole room at once. It's amazing. Everything in the room starts getting warmer by itself with no convection and, you know, it's incredible technology. And of course, it's going to save you tons on terms of heat and gas bills and things like that. In any case, I digress. Um, Steve was introduced to me by Brian, coming back from a jog, called Brian or Brian called me. I talked to Steve as soon as I got home. And literally within minutes, he had me in his video room, literally within minutes. And uh, we were talking and we became such good buddies, really. I mean, right off the get go. Now, since then, we haven't talked. uh, We've talked more on the phone than in video. But the beautiful thing is this, if you're selling something um, and even just to even just to enhance your personal relationships and get in touch with old buddies in the time of COVID, right? It's, it's an amazing thing. People are, are kind of averse to hitting that video button, but I really urge you to do so. And you'll find that it really enhances the quality of your life and and you'll be amazed. I mean, you'll end up spending a couple of hours on the phone or on a Skype meeting with your buddy in a different part of the country or the state or the world even that you haven't talked to for months or years. So in any case, yeah, Steve got me onto that and uh, I was in the middle of a video meeting with a client, cops bang on the door and I just picked up the computer and let let the cops in obviously, picked up the computer and Obviously, ducking out of the meeting was easy. I just picked up my computer and showed my client the cops. And I was like, the cops are here. There was an issue in the neighborhood. (laughs) Uh, Dot, 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 I'll get back to you. Now, the reason my wife called the cops is not important. What's important is that I find myself out on the street again after years of struggling to get back together with her. We'd finally found a sweet spot, been together since last May about a year, really, 11 months, and most of it was quite fantastic, quite frankly. You know, uh, rediscovering each other, kind of just healing emotionally and having a wonderful time, first in Toronto and then moving back here to Calgary and then moving into a house that we were renting from her pastor, who, on a side note, is a multi-millionaire real estate investor (laughs) as well as being a pastor. But in any case, I mean, it was her house and her lease and her relationship with the pastor, but I would have left... Uh, regardless, right? If the cops came by, they say basically one of you has to leave, right? Because we can't just leave you here together because your wife feels threatened because I kind of flew off the handle, unfortunately, dear uh, viewer and dear listener, sorry. I may as well say uh, thank you for listening and um, I appreciate your time and uh, your, uh, you know, your brain wavelengths, you know, that you are devoting to listening to me. If you've listened this far, then I appreciate it. Um, My goal is to now delve into the realms of spirituality, right? Because I've long considered self-help to be defunct. We've answered the two basic questions of self-help, I think, fairly sufficiently in as much as does self-help work? Well, apparently it does work. On the one hand, You've got serial killers who oftentimes share a lot of the common attributes that all mass murderers have, which is abuse as a child and a lot of pain and suffering that they went through at a very young age that kind of unfortunately warped their minds. 
However, the majority of people who suffer uh, do not end up enacting random acts of violence. Most of us have suffered grievous, you know, emotional and physical and other injuries, right? Um, but we don't end up becoming like the embodiment of the Antichrist, as it were. And the same with successful people. You know, you've got Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and Gary Vee. Are these guys made that way? Now, Gary Vee at age, like literally age three to five to six, he was trundling around his neighborhood on his three-wheeler, <laughs> three-wheeling little bike or something. You know, those little things, the souped up with the long handlebars or whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter. He was an entrepreneur. He had lemonade stands set up around his neighborhood. And he had his buddies working these lemonade stands. Now, is that, is that not an honest-to-God case of born to be an entrepreneur? It's obvious that that was the case. He was trading baseball cards by the time he was a teenager and literally making thousands of dollars a week. He had like 13 grand stashed under his bed and all this kind of stuff. And then, then his dad forced him to work in his liquor store and he had to abandon all of that. He had hustle. He had major hustle. He would you know, uh, <laughs> rip flowers out of neighbors' gardens and then walk up to the front door and sell the same neighbors those very same flowers. I don't know how he managed to get away with it, but obviously from a very young age, for whatever reason, now, now there may be reasons that if we look into it, they came from Belarus, you know, a poor, relatively poor, maybe lower middle class type working immigrant family, dads working away and you know, they didn't have it as good as they might have wanted in those early years coming to the U.S. of A. And I imagine, like, the young Gary's childhood was full of memories of dad struggling and financial issues dominating the household and all of these dreams of we need to make it here, this is important, and all that discipline and all that ethic. You know, it would be hard to imagine that it didn't affect and influence him. So the question becomes, did that turn him into the entrepreneur that he became? I dare so that may be the case, because if Gary was born on a, a, like a, a commune, let's say, where they're farming vegetables, would he have become a famous entrepreneur? I doubt it very much. In any case, regardless of, of the more extreme examples of serial killers and, you know, people like Bill Gates and... and uh, Larry Ellison of Oracle, regardless of all of that, you know, once again, there are serial killers like Ted Bundy who came from perfectly normal and happy childhoods and they ended up crazed in the head, really deranged. And on the other hand, the majority of people that suffer abuse as a child, they do not commit random acts of violence and become killers. By the same token, of course, there are people like Gary Vee that are very singular and exceptional. However, there are also people, like my favorite example being the Amway people, multi-level marketing people, um, who, you know, by the thousands literally have gone from being normal people, everything from waiters at Red Robin to car wash manager to pharmacist to lawyer to city manager to whatever, every kind of job, accountant, right? Like Charlie Durso in New York. And... These people will always, at the end of their triumphs and struggles and when they're on stage and they're getting their diamond ring and whatnot and they're already making six figures and they've got like a huge adoring group of people and, 
you know, they've achieved the goal, they will always say the same thing. Pr practically every Amway speech, whether it's a rally speech or some other kind of speech, right? You know, they've got two sets of, of teachings. There's um, family reunion and then there are rallies. Um, I'm not quite sure of the difference, but I do remember I was in Amway for like seven years, actually, in Calgary and then down in uh, Minneapolis where I was living and out in Seattle and even in Toronto. And I met all kinds of diamonds and all kinds of uh, big pins, as it were, right? People who are achieving an extraordinary level of success in a very, very difficult business model, it has to be said. Now, on the one hand, it's pretty simple. It's as easy as meeting two people a day, right? Meeting two people a day. I remember this diamond who visited Toronto from South Carolina, really Ray back, laid back guy. His name was Ray Fearfield or something laid-back beautiful guy and the thing with the diamonds of Amway is that they have amazing personalities they really do have amazing personalities they exude confidence and charm and they're really interesting people and apparently when they have their diamond meetings at Amway Corp you know they're throwing food at each other and giggling like kids and the organizers are always like come on guys settle down right and these are multi-millionaires with private jets and stuff so it's not only the ultimate lifestyle, I mean, it's the ultimate form of self-development, really. And if nothing else, like Robert Kiyosaki, I would say that you really should not judge a multi-level marketing business model or um, plan to be a pyramid scheme, quote-unquote, because it's like they said in Amway, the biggest pyramid scheme is the government, right? They're at the top, everyone else is at the bottom or your company where you work, right? You got one boss and there's no way you can take over his position even if you slave for like two to five years. Whereas in Amway, anyone can get in and in two to five years, you can be a diamond, right? Um, you'll be like, well, well, you become a diamond and the guy above you is still making more money. It's not the case. It's really not the case. If you do more work, you make more money. You can be making way more than the guy above you. The guy above you just has you but you find three other people like you, he might be a platinum, you'll be an emerald. You'll be making 100 grand, he'll be making like 20, 30, 50 grand a year. You know what I mean? So it's not what most people think. Trying to take advantage of people and high-priced products. Amway products are some of the best products in the world. If you ever try and start using Amway products, you'll never look at a bar of soap or toothpaste or detergent the same way. Not to mention things like uh, perfect drinking water and excess energy drinks. They're amazing products. I would love to be using them still I, I mean, I'm sitting here literally with a with my bottle of perfect water right here next to me Right, so I mean if you just bat it and just call it names and stuff without actually paying attention to what's going on behind the scenes Amway has produced more millionaires than any other organization except for Microsoft Right, Bill Gates is original secretary apparently from like the 70s or whatever as a millionaire, right? And they had thousands of mid-level managers that basically were incented with Microsoft stock. And when Microsoft went really big, after Steve, uh, after Bill Gates screwed Steve Jobs and Apple, according to some, um, well then thousands of people literally became millionaires. Same thing with Amway since about 1959 i guess they've been doing their thing they invented multivitamins right it's a huge part of their business they have the best multivitamins in the world they got like 500 phd level scientists working on this stuff all of their stuff is 
totally pure, nothing synthetic. I, I urge you to try Amway vitamins. And if you don't feel stronger and healthier, and if you literally you will want to stop smoking, this is one of the strange side effects of Amway vitamins. In any case, so Amway is proof of the pudding in terms of every single diamond and emerald at a rally will always say the same thing. If we can do it, you can do it. They'll talk about their hang-ups and how they were socially, um, you know, inadequate or felt socially, you know, whatever. They had their hang-ups with regards to people and whatnot. And now they're standing there talking in front of tens of thousands of people, cracking up, you know, cutting up and, and, and making jokes and all this kind of stuff. And it would seem to be the case that these really were normal people and they were just given an incredible opportunity and they just jumped in um, uh, head first and, and, you know, gave it their all. And over the course of time and tribulation, they did transform themselves. Now, the one thing that has to be said about the Amway business model is the, the focus on mentorship, right? So you've always got around you good examples your upline and and diamonds and emeralds and platinums and whenever you're feeling down and out you know you go to these meetings and you go to product meetings and you know once or twice a week if if you're doing it right you should be doing it about three times a week two to three times a week you got a general meeting where you take your prospects you've got a product learning meeting p-a-s-e product and system education and then on a sunday evening you should get together with your team or your uplines team and make phone calls Right, so Ray Fairchild said, it's really as simple as meeting two people a day. If you just talk to two people a day, that's all you need to do. And soon you'll get good at it. You'll walk up to anyone and say, hey, what's going on, this and that. And it's like my own upline here in Calgary, uh, Ray Lynette used to say, you pat the dog. If the dog wags its tail, then you keep patting it. It's, it seems like a, a very odd uh, example, but you know, it doesn't mean people are dogs. But if you talk to someone and they're putting you off and they're giving you these weird vibes, then that's fine. That's fine. That's sales, right? The one thing you can't control is if someone gets, uh, if, if someone's interested in what you're saying or rather, that, that's one thing. Like Amway, who wouldn't want to be rich? And you can offer practically anyone with a brain and health, a healthy person who has a brain and can read and write, he can pretty much become a platinum because hundreds and thousands of such people have done so already. So the question then is meeting someone who you click with. The problem is we'll approach people, whether in sales or in multi-level marketing, and we're just trying to plaster our message all across the world and internet and lampposts. What you do is you, you go around and, and you kind of use your sixth sense. And when you feel a connection with someone, that's when you approach them. Now it could turn out that you're wrong. You walked up to some guy and you say, hey, what's going on? And he might be like, buddy, listen, I'm just waiting for my kids here. I really don't have time to talk or whatever. Who cares? Who cares? Listen, you have a dream and you need to put yourself out there. Okay. You need to make yourself vulnerable. And that's, that's all that is, right? So Amway people prove that any normal person can become successful, right? So serial killers and successful people, you're not made that way. You're not born that way. You become that way. So I think this is basically a default, okay? That's what it is. Now, in terms of the second question, what is the essential attribute of all successful people? And I've been harping on what Nietzsche, Friedrich Nietzsche, the great German philosopher, called will to power. Will, as in willpower, will to power. Instead of willpower, he called it will to power. To me, that means 
the desire for every person to achieve greatness, more or less. At the very least, the desire to progress. Uh, although it's not just progress, when, when you say will to power, what it means is you want to control and dominate your situation. Let's just put it that simply. You have this innate desire and need and belief that you can and will and must, in fact, dominate your situation and not be dominated by your situation. I think that's a very good way of putting it because to look at power in terms of power over people is very banal and cliched and irrelevant because you can be supremely successful as an internet marketer and you might not even know or talk to many people or an author. You might be a famous author and supremely successful in your field and a millionaire and everything like that. And you simply have no interest in exerting any kind of influence over people. Although I dare say by virtue of your actions, people will be attracted to you. Just like Imam Ali, peace be upon him, said, live your life in such a way that when you're alive, people are attracted and drawn to you and seek your company. And when you die, they cry over you. So uh, will to power doesn't mean that you're trying to dominate people and become powerful by subjugating others. This is certainly not what it is. But what it is, in my mind, is you want to overcome you know, human frailty and foibles and what have you. You want to achieve a sense of inner power, let's say, where you feel like you're in control. And that's enough. That's enough, right? Because you could be a VP of sales, but then you answer to the, comp uh, the company CEO. You could be the CEO, and that dude answers to the board. The board guys, they ultimately answer to the chairman of the board, who ultimately answers to Wall Street, right? So, I mean, there's always, you know, as the Quran says, on top of every knowledgeable person is one more knowledgeable, something like that. On top of everyone with knowledge is one who has more knowledge. Um, so that game is not the game that interests me, at least, dear listener. Will to power. What I've understood and what I realized over the course of recording this podcast in the last few months is that every single successful person has this quality, will to power, in a sense of they believe that they can and will and must achieve something, some level of something. They're not just going to sit there sucking eggs and live a life of mediocrity. That's simply not for them, right? So it's like they say in Amway, like you literally should be kind of just burning, burning. You can't take it anymore. You can't take the, like you're sick and tired of being sick and tired is what they say, right? You're under the gun, your boss, your finances, you're not driving the night, the, the, the car you want to drive. You don't see a way out, whatever it is. I mean, you get pushed to a point where you're like, either you become a sheeple, as they say, you know, uh, a sheep in the form of a human, which is that you just go with the flow. Or if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you're one of the people that actually believes in self-empowerment. The question is how to achieve it. And the short answer is don't give up. Just simply don't give up. That's really the way you achieve it. In any case, every successful person has this driving belief in themselves. And, you know, rather than, rather than delve on why is that the case, it is the case. I think everyone, I mean, it's, it's simply a case of everyone is born with this thing. 
right? And when you're a kid, you've got all these ideals and whatnot. And then it's like they say in Amway, you lose your dream over time. So perhaps if you're listening to this, perhaps it's time for you to reawaken those urges and that instinct, that primordial kind of drive that is the, 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 the essence of what it is to be human. So in any case, moving on, my wife kicked me out of the house and I made a YouTube video standing there with all my luggage outside of Southland LRT station in Calgary. LRT being light rail transit. I made a video. Sorry about that. That's the phone in the background. I'm actually sitting here at my parents' house. Uh, my mom's watching some TV. That was the phone ringing. Apologize for the distraction. Thank you again for listening. I really appreciate it. If you've got someone who's been affected by COVID, then I'm very sorry for you. I urge you to make the most of this time. If you're listening to this, I'm assuming you have time on your hands. Um, you know, a lot of the world, in fact, the majority of people out there are suffering, suffering immensely. Um, and if you're listening to this, then you're probably one of the lucky ones like myself. Through the grace of God, we happen to be living in these beautiful countries in the West and we've got infrastructure and we've got savings and we've got something to fall back onto. A lot of people in the world live hand to mouth and even a lot of people in our own countries here in the West, um, you know, they're living paycheck to paycheck, right? And so right now people are faced with foreclosures and lost income, lost savings, you know, stock markets tanked. And so when the stock market goes down, even though it's gone back up again, people have been wiped out because if you, let's say you have a thousand dollars in mutual funds and then it goes down by 50%, you've lost $500. Now, the problem is to get back up to a thousand, it needs to go up not just 50%, but a hundred percent, right? So you need to have a 200% return on investment to get back up where you were. So once you've lost it, it's just the same with everything else. Building something is very hard. Destroying it is very easy. And building a life of success and even more crucial and essential and fundamental, building or arriving at a mentality of success, right, where it's just ingrained in you, is very hard. It takes many years of effort. Two to five years is what they say in Amway. And that's consistent and persistent effort. Right, because first you need to achieve the mindset, and that's what the law of attraction is. I might talk about that at some point here. You think like a successful person, and you act like a successful person. With the average person, they want all their ducks lined up. They want the world to do them favors. They want someone to give them an opportunity. But in reality, you must begin where you're at with the right mindset. If you have the right mindset, you make do of what you have. And if you use what you have in the correct fashion, the universe or God will bless you with more. And in any case, this is becoming spiritual talk and that's really where I'm leading, right? So my wife kicked me out and here's the problem with self-help. So I've talked about how self-help gurus take Nietzsche's saying and they kind of twist it, okay? So Nietzsche said, if you have a what, you can put up with any how, okay? And so that means that if you have, rather, if you have a why, you can put up with any what, something like this, which means if you're suffering, but there's a reason for that suffering, which is the why, you know, the suffering is the what, you know, what, what is the what? So my wife kicked me out the house. 
I don't have a place to go. I don't have any of my stuff, my TV and my Xbox and my stuff, right? It's, it's like my computer. It's all there, right? And I'm not allowed to go back. Now, notwithstanding the fact we're in touch and she's coming around today bringing me my stuff. Everything's cool. That's fine. But you see, that's the what. But I have a why. The why is that I believe in God, right? And so regardless of anything, I may not even have a why. If you believe in God, you don't even need a why, uh, quite frankly. But what self-help people do is they take this saying and they say, if you have a why, then the how doesn't matter. So they've totally changed it. But the problem is this. So if you have a reason to be successful, who doesn't have a reason to be successful? Right? But if you have a re and this is the one area where I disagree with the Amway folks, everyone has a why. The question is, you clinging to that why it doesn't matter what it is even if it's just a sense of i need to be successful you don't need to write out all your goals and any of this stuff guys seriously i mean we'll get into some of that what i want to say is that self-help doesn't give you a why like if i was just to rely on self-help in my current situation i would be done for right because it doesn't answer basic questions like why is this happening why am i not happy and how can i uh you know, how can I be happy, uh, whereas self-help talks about more or less material success. Real happiness, as we all know, is not tied to materialism. There's plenty of rich and famous and neurotic and depressed and suicidal people, right? So we'll get into this in the next segment. I did want to talk about the ego or I in terms of self-help, pumping up the I. I am great. I am best. I am a champion. And spirituality, which is what we're going to be talking about, where you're talking about humility and lowering the ego and disempowering the ego. So it's a very interesting uh, juxtaposition. I hope to chat with you again. I appreciate your time, and I'd appreciate it if you could like and share this. Thank you.